Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. It was so much fun, man. It was like you get on a boat. There's so many boats following you. At one point, I jumped on a jet ski with the cup. I thought like <laughs> when I, you know, I'd, I'd stand on the back with a cup once, and I kind of revved it a little hard. I thought he was going to fall in the water. but um, And, you know, we were a little overserved at that point. But um, it, it, it was fun. I mean, you know how it is. When you win a cup in a place that you kind of becomes your hometown in a sense, just because you become one with the people and you have so much fun in the parade and you go to restaurants and people congratulating you. Um, it, it's such a cool experience. And to have that in Tampa where Tampa is where I call home right now. So um, it's really special. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious and I was malicious. And I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. Alex, awesome. Thanks for taking the time to join Tim and I here on the Raw Knuckles podcast. Um, God, um, I guess I, I don't want to start with hockey. I want to start with golf. And that's the ACC in Tahoe. Uh, I, I watched you. Uh, uh, in the tournament, I caught that last day, and uh, it was pretty exciting for you. What, what? Um, well, obviously playing in Tampa, uh, you get to golf quite a bit. But where'd the golf start for you? Did it start growing up as a kid? I mean, it, it, everyone asks me. It's weird because I'm a left-handed shot in hockey, but I play righty golf. It's just because my grandfather, growing up, had righty clubs, so I'd go in the backyard and swing. I didn't. Um, I didn't play – I wasn't a, a member at a course or anything. I joined Il Pro in Montreal when I was, like, 15. You know, they had, like, really good deals when you're younger, and that's kind of when I started. Um, but playing in Tampa, and when you really learn about golf and you start talking to teachers, you get on some track mans, and you learn why your swing is doing what it is, and um, that's when I kind of became a, a decent golfer and – um, I've played a bunch while I'm in Tampa. I'm lucky that I'm going to Newport Beach, so they'll be just as good. Fun. So, um, I guess yeah, I love playing golf. And, um, fortunate enough to play in the Tahoe tournament, which obviously is is hard to get into. I kind of snuck my way into it, but uh, how do you get in? How do you get into that? Curious. How I got into that was um, I made a deal with NBC that I was going to film a curling tournament, which. Um, it never aired because Jeremy Roenick was in it, and they kind of had a battle, him and NBC. Oh, yeah. um, but they said they were filming it in Carolina in the summer, and it was going to play in between playoff games. Um, this was four years ago, and they said if I came and did it, I'd be able to play in the Tahoe because I don't think anyone wanted to go. So I decided to go, and that was my end. We went to um, – you know, we were kind of busy the next couple of summers playing in, in the cup finals, but this past year I was able to do it, so I gave the guy a call, and – he said I could come play, so it's pretty cool. What's the index at today? The index at today, I mean, I could look. It changes. <laughs> I didn't play well. I didn't play well this morning, but I'm a plus one two. Well, plus one point two. Yeah. Oh, nice. Must be nice, huh, Nux? Oh yeah, Knuckles like a, a hacker. 20. You can imagine me hacking. That's <laughs> <laughs> hacking at Il Perot. Actually, I live right in Terrasso, Joy. I'm close to Il Perot, but yeah. Um, so. That tournament, uh, you played with Steph Curry, did you, one day? Did, were you there when he got the hole-in-one, right? Yeah, well, how, cool. how cool was that? It was cool. I mean, 
the first day was great. I was playing with TJ O'Shea. I was familiar with him. And it was my first time really playing, I guess you'd call it tournament golf, like finishing everything out. You had cameras on you. You had fans. Like, you know, if you shank a ball, you could kill someone. I mean, there's people. Did the nerves, did you have the nerves? But the first day, the nerves were were okay. I started off good. It was the nerves hit me the second day when, uh, you know, I was grouped in the featured pair with Steph Curry. Like, he was leading the tournament. I was in third or second with Pavelski. And uh, it was such a different atmosphere because it was a featured group. It was like, I, I tell people it was like playing with Tiger Woods, you know, when these young guys, they start to get like a huge crowd of people following him. We had like 20,000 people following us. It was crazy. Um, and I didn't play that well, but when he hit that hole in one, it, it was a pretty cool moment. I mean, everyone went crazy. We all ran to the green. I was hitting third and he had already had the hole in one. So we ran to the green. I had to go back and hit my shot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, uh, it was a cool moment. He played really good golf and, you know, he's playing in like 10 times. And I think you really have to get some, some rounds in at this course and under pressure to, to become a good golfer in these, these kind of events. I couldn't do yeah, it. I must Nux. Yeah, I, I get nervous tough. when like a twosome tells me to play through. <laughs> exactly. I like, don't even like finish the hole. I'm like, wait. But di- <laughs> now, didn't you, plus one, I, I'm, a, I'm good friends with Pabs. He plays out in Dallas a lot with yeah. like Zalatoris. And like, what's, I know you played with Stenson, right? Like, those guys yeah. are on a whole different level, aren't they? Yeah. Like, you can't even compare, like, a plus one, you can't even compare it to a pro golfer. The way, like, the way we do it is, when I play with like PGA Tour Canada guys, I played one with one this morning. He's a plus four. And then you go to Corn Ferry, it's like plus five. Then PGA guys, like average PGA guys, are kind of plus six. If you play against like Scotty Scheffler or Zalatoris, like they're plus tens. When you if you if they if you truly want to play them in a fair, like a real match at a course that they know that they play at a lot, they're probably like plus eights, plus you know. So a plus one can't even come close, like to put it in perspective for you, like anyone, you know, I, I know people were saying Steph Curry, like played really well. And how would he fare? Like he wouldn't have a sniff on the corn fairy tour. And I, he would tell you that himself, like it's just such a different level. All right. Uh, how would you compare that uh, to say hockey? Like the, oh. yeah, the, the index, you know, plus one to plus eight. How would you compare yeah. that to a hockey player? A plus an eight. NHL guy. Yeah, an NHL and, uh, guy would be a plus eight, six. A plus one would be like, what's the league below the East the Coast? second league in France. <laughs> yeah, like Southern Pro League. I don't even know. England. What's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like tier two in, in Europe, like way down. I don't know. It's, it's not even close. You can't even, it's tough to compete. Uh, uh, pretty cool. It's pretty cool you got the opportunity. Good on you. Um, you. Um, I, I guess... Growing up here in Montreal, and I got a few things I want to get at as far as Montreal. You were born in Halifax, yeah. moved to Beaconsfield. Um, did you uh, grow up a Habs fan, and did you hate the Bruins as much as I hated the Canadians? I I did. I grew up a I grew up a Habs fan. Like I I was born in Halifax, and but I only lived there for a year. So my first year, I mean, you don't remember anything, obviously. Yeah. My, my dad got a job in Montreal, so we moved there. So my whole life, I was a Canadiens fan. Like, I remember wearing a Saku Koivu jersey for, like, the first, you know, whatever, till I was, like, 13. And then uh, Kovalev, when he was playing, you know, there were so many great players. And 
like you said, I was, yeah, I hated Boston. I rooted against Boston. <laughs> it was funny. I ended up going to Harvard, which everyone was Boston fan there. But yeah, like you said, anyone that grows up in Montreal, I haven't met many people that aren't huge, huge Chaps fans. Uh, so There you go, Nux. Yeah, there you go. So it, it, growing up here, and, and I guess the piece I want to get and uh, understand is, um, and I know you went to Loyola here in Montreal for school. Um, you know, and a lot of um, when you look at your your you know your backstory there, going to Loyola, what drove you? I mean, play played Lac St. Louis Lions, and then you go off to prep school. How did that come about? Education in the family was that a, a premium in the family, like with your parents? Yeah, so. My mom was a teacher and she always wanted, for some reason, she always wanted me to go to Harvard. Um, and luckily enough, in the city or the town I lived in, a town over, there was the Biega brothers who I went to Harvard with. I ended up going to Harvard with, but um, they had committed to Harvard super early. And, uh, and if it wasn't Harvard, it was another college. My mom really wanted me to play college hockey to kind of set myself up if, you know, if, if hockey didn't work out, kind of have a backup plan. And she was a teacher, so she was pushing, you know, the best school possible. So I, being from Quebec, especially at that time, there wasn't a ton of, like, college scouts that came and watched you. And even at that time, I wasn't that great of a player in midget, to be honest. So I decided to go to Deerfield Academy, which was a boarding school. And that was kind of – my plan was to just go there and hopefully get seen by some colleges. Um ended up having a really good midget season and then going to Deerfield and ended up committing to Harvard like halfway through my junior season. So that junior year was big, got drafted that year, and it kind of all took off from there. So, that was so Te- did Teddy scout you out of Deerfield? Someone at Harvard scout you from Deerfield? Yeah. Okay. I mean, cool. Teddy, Teddy was the coach. Yeah, so he scouted me. He, um, It was funny because actually when I was picking colleges, I had a really good – um, junior year and it came down to I think it was Yale Harvard BC and BU and I chose Harvard but throughout my four years in college all three of those other teams won national championships while I was in school so I still I still appreciate that I went to Harvard but those uh, other schools all won while I was there which is kind of crazy certainly nothing like having a d- degree from Harvard but your mom wanted you to go there did you have a like like desire to maybe go one of the other schools or you Harvard was it? No, I don't know if she like brainwashed me or or whatever, (laughs) but I, you know, my buddies, the Diego brothers were already going there. So I had a familiarity um, with those guys, but uh, I thought, I thought about some other schools, but it was just for some reason, since I was younger, she kind of was pushing it. So that was kind of the goal was to always get to Harvard. Um, and they were kind of the last ones to come in, honestly. And once they came in, it was a no-brainer for me. And they had, a good, they had a pretty good team, too. So, yeah. What did you end up studying in Harvard? Um, it was called government degree, political science. So that sounds, political sounds, science... I was say, sounds like my criminology degree at the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Harvard, the, weird, the, diff, the weird thing about Harvard is it's, uh, it's a liberal arts college, so there's no... Undergrad, there's no business or you can't do finance or it's not specific like that. You have to go to grad school to do that. So when you're an undergrad, you kind of just take a, a bunch of different courses like sociology, uh, economics, psychology. But I, I thought government was the best because 
in economics, you could fail a paper because it was all multiple choice. If you wrote, um, if you wrote a paper for government, you know, the worst case scenario, you got a B minus. So, um, for me, I was happy with that. Uh, now, Jim Vesey went to Harvard. I'm be- yeah. best friends with his dad. We're very close. And I don't know. I always ask guys that went to Harvard. And I, I always hear the hardest part about Harvard is getting in. They say that the school is not as tough as a lot of people think. Is that true? It's definitely harder to get in. I think if you're a hockey player, there it's a little bit easier, obviously. Um, but once you get in, you could find – you could – pick your course load and, and other players tell you courses that are easier than others. You could make it pretty hard on yourself too with there's certain kids that want to do that so that they kind of separate themselves um, competitively. But no, the hardest part is definitely getting in. I know for myself, I had to take the SATs a couple times and to make sure the scores were yeah. right and, and all the extracurriculars and stuff. Our producer's son went there, but I think you were just at Dylan Reese. I think but you were just after him, weren't you? Yeah. Dylan Reese. Um, he played pro, right? Yeah, he played in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I played uh, the Islanders. Oaksbury. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I know the name. We don't, I haven't met him, but he was gone by the time I got there. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, Harvard, uh, the experience there. Yeah, well, you got to know my boy Odie, huh? The trainer, right? Odie's the best. Odie's. Um, a, I still yeah. talk to him a bunch. Yeah, Odie's great. Yeah, a good man. Um, and and the bean pot, like a lot of kids grew up in Boston. I remember growing up as a kid in Boston. Bean pot was such a big thing. I remember going there. How cool was that? Your first time, you know, at Harvard playing in the bean pot. Did you realize how big it was before you stepped on the ice? I had being a Canadian kid when I committed to Harvard. I didn't know what the bean pot was, which yeah. is which is crazy because all the kids that that were on my team, that was the reason they committed to Harvard was because they played in the bean pot. Um, but that was cool. I mean, playing in front of, you know, at the garden in front of that many fans uh, was special. We, we actually never, we never won the bean pot, which kind of sucked. But um, I guess a funny story, my, our first year, our, our bus, I know, you know, at the garden, there's that ramp. Yeah. You know, our bus was an old bus. It couldn't get up the ramp. But we had to take our bags and walk up the ramp just to play BU, who, who ended up winning the national championship. So, I guess we were a little tired walking with all our gear up that whole ramp before the game. So that was my- that was the that's yeah. the elephant walk, right? They call it the elephant walk. Yeah. When the circus was in town, that's how they bring the elephants in up that that's ramp, cool. and then that little bridge that goes over the old Boston Garden. That was the elephant walk there. It was yeah. we, we used to sneak in there all the time as kids. That's yeah. how we got in the games. But that's funny, yeah. lugging your bags up the ramp. <laughs> um, where was Odie? Yeah, Odie was there, but he couldn't carry that many bags, I guess. So, yeah, growing up here, uh, Habs fan, obviously. Um, The uh, who, who, what, what were the players you looked up to? Again, you're a physical player, tough player on the wall in the corners, go to the net. You talented kid. Who who were those guys you looked at? When I was when I was younger, or when I was? Yeah, I guess when you were younger, and you know developing your game yeah i don't know there's a like in terms of canadians players i'm trying to think back to guys that would have played like me um i don't know i remember when i was when i was in college and stuff i, I remember watching like jamie ben he was so good at protecting the puck um obviously a lot tougher than me but guys like that um 
who else? I'm having a tough time. I feel like I'm in a combine interview right now trying to figure out <laughs> who, who I play like. But no, I mean, listen, when I was at Harvard and stuff, I was never like a high prospect, never a high kind of pick or anything like that. So um, I kind of had to work my way through, but every year I got better. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up making it. So would you say like when you were first, like, yeah, that's a good question though. Like, so when you were first at Harvard, you, I mean, were you thinking about playing after? Probably not. Right. Like you were there kind of for yeah. education. I was always, I always, I, I always thought about playing after, honestly, I was like, I, I'm not going to go like all my teammates were taking internships and in finance in New York city in the summertime. And I was like, I don't, I'm not doing that. Like I'm going to play pro hockey. I mean, I, I don't know how far I'm going to get. And kind of like, I'll get this degree so that if things don't work out, I could kind of figure it out then. But I was never thinking about while at Harvard, what I was going to do after, if that makes any sense. It was yeah, just kind yeah. of nice to have the degree. So, but it, it wasn't a reality. I guess that's a, a good point. Like my freshman- But you were drafted, right though? So in 07, weren't you? Yeah, 07. So, but then I got to Harvard in my first year, I think I had like 15 points. Or, or, you know, not even like half a point a game or something like that. So you just thought like NHL, there's no way. I never thought no way, but I just, it, you know, I just thought I had a long way to go. And every year I just got a little bit better. The next year I think I was like maybe a point a game guy. The year after that I was like a little bit over a point. And then my last year, you know, I had, you know, I was in the Hobie Baker talks until like the top whatever, five or ten. So – but yeah, my after my junior year is when I thought this could become a reality. Okay. Like, is there any, is any of the players about, in four in the four years you were there? Are there any other guys that played in the NHL? While while I was there, Alex Biega played in the NHL. Um, he was older than me, but not a ton of guys. Not a ton of older guys. A lot of guys after me ended up playing. You know, VZ, Donato, Kerfoot, um, Fox. Um, there's a ton of guys, but yeah. There wasn't a ton of older guys that ended up making it. There was a lot of guys that were kind of grinding it in the AHL and East Coast, but there wasn't a ton of guys to, like, look to. I mean, Dom Moore was playing. Um, Craig uh, Adams was playing. Uh, but they were, old. they were a lot older at that point. This episode's brought to you by BetterHelp. We all know how easy it is to get swept up in the fast pace of life, so much so that we forget about ourselves. It happened to me. And most of you know I've battled addiction and have been clean and sober for years. I thought I could confront these issues on my own. I couldn't. I've become a big believer in the positive impact of therapy. It helped me to learn positive coping skills and how to set healthy boundaries. It actually empowered me to be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I suggest BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and you can arrange everything to fit your own schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And quite frankly, I wish BetterHelp was around when I was looking for help. It's so easy and flexible. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Raw Knuckles today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P com slash Ron Knuckles. So you leave uh, Harvard, Alex, um, um, after your senior year, and um, yeah, you stayed all four years, which is awesome. 
Um, you know, I, I saw VZ did the same thing. A lot of guys, I think guys that go to the other schools, they end up leaving early. Hardly anybody leaves Harvard early, which I've, I've kind of seen, which I think is cool. But when you leave Harvard that first year, uh, you went to the AHL. What was that like? And I'm, was Coop there in Norfolk? Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, so, so Coop's what, in Norfolk. What was that like for you? Now I'm here, pro hockey. I know it's yeah. American League, but I'm here. Was it a big jump for you? It was a big jump. I mean, so I, I had finished my season at Harvard, and I jumped right to Norfolk. And so I was still technically in college. I needed, like, two credits. My professors let me graduate. I wasn't in school for that, for that spring. I was playing yeah. hockey. And you have to realize, I mean, a lot, a lot of people don't know this, but that Norfolk team that I jumped onto had won 19 games in a row. They had won 19 games. So I was lucky to play, honestly, because, you know, I had a really good college season. I was going to probably play regardless because Tampa was going to allow me to play. But a lot of the players from Norfolk were playing in Tampa because Tampa had injuries. So I got to jump on a team. We ended up winning – 27 or 26 in a row. So I jumped in for those last seven or eight games. And then we won the Calder Cup that year. I think we lost two games in the playoff. So I was like, at first I was like, pro hockey isn't that tough. You know, this like, is a joke. This is easy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I met a lot of great players, a lot of guys. I'm actually playing Racco Gudasign in Anaheim this summer too. So it'll be yeah. nice to get up with him. But like you said, Coop, Coop was my Did coach. Did you know him from there? The Coop was my coach Coop. in Norfolk. Yeah. No, not Coop, Gudis. Yeah, Gudis was on my team in Norfolk. Okay, all right. Yeah. But Coop was my only coach in pro hockey for 11 years. That's crazy. Kind of crazy. I mean, I had Guy Boucher for like two months in Tampa before he yeah. hired, but yeah. How is Boucher? I've heard he's like a big mental, like he's... So yeah, so what I, a I, mental case. Yeah, yeah you, I wanted you to finish that for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't have him long enough. I think he was really good with the guys personally. I mean, I think he was at the end of his run. Obviously, he got fired while I just kind of joined the team for two months. So, um, yeah, but he was, he would definitely bring in a lot of like, um, he'd bring in like water pumps and he was very visual with his metaphors. And, you know, he'd bring in the big water pump and say, the water's coming. And, um, but yeah, he, he was a motivator for sure. I just, I didn't have enough time with him to be honest. I kind of give you a real, uh, yeah. Now, um, funny. Um, I, I've admired John Cooper. I've never, I've never, never met him. I spoke to him a few times on the phone. Uh, he FaceTimed me about him uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was with a former teammate of mine, Chris Chelios. Uh, out west, and they called me, and we were talking. Anyway, I had I had reached out to see if he'd come on the podcast. And he said, "Sure, let me get through the summer, and we'll do something in, as the season starting up, which is awesome." But I have from afar, and he never. I absolutely love that guy. He is a guy that from afar, and I never met him. I'm there. I I, I like his demeanor. I like his look. I I bet these guys, and this is before you won any Stanley Cups. Yeah, this is at the beginning. And when I first moved back to Montreal, I said, this guy looks like everybody just wants to go through a wall for this guy. And I just love the way he handled the media, everything, his bench demeanor. Yeah. Am I seeing everything that's that's there? 
Listen, he's. It, it's funny because a lot of some players at first would take it take away from him just because he never played at a high level, and I think a lot of pro players that kind of you know, well, what's he know? Tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, he never played. He never won. Um, but when you look at his track record, you know, from where he started, it's crazy what he's. Didn't he sign in kids hockey or something? Yeah, he was a he lawyer. Kids he decided to coach. I think even below the NHL, and then he just worked his way up. And every two years, he'd win the championship. And the same thing in Norfolk, he won the championship. And we could have won it his second year in Tampa, but we ended up losing to Chicago in the finals. We ended up winning later. But listen, he's been my only coach. I, I have nothing but good things to say about him. I love. I always love Coop because he really got the other part of the game where he never gave us curfews. He never. He was all about building team chemistry. If he, if he found out you went out and everyone was there, he didn't care. If he found out that four guys went and they left three guys or whatever, then that's when he got pissed off. Um, so as long as you went out and he never, he would never, um, you know, throw guys out to the media. Like even if he was pissed with guys, he would, he would always protect his players in the media. So I think players yeah. would see other coaches like talking how bad their players are doing and stuff. And, you could tell even when he wanted to say something, he would hold it back and he would protect his guys. Um, that's something that I think went a, a long way with, with the players. You trust yeah, him. I, you yeah. Trust yeah. Him, right? Like, and that's a big thing with coaches is being able to trust them. Cause you, I, I yeah. Mean, and I, I know some coaches try to go the other way to push you, but he would have other ways to do that internally. He wouldn't go to the media and embarrass you to do that. He would do it in a team meeting or he'd grab you and be like, you're playing terrible. Like you, like he'd let you know, but he would do it the right way, I found. And that's the way he, he got guys to get got guys going, whereas other coaches are a little different. Well, it's funny you say that because, like, I know Rick Bonus as a coach, and he's a great assistant coach, and he's done some head coaching now. But at the end of the season, he really ripped into his players in Winnipeg. And I'm like, how if I'm on that team coming back next year, I'm like, really? Yeah. You know, it, it – it, Goes a long way when you got a guy in your corner that, but he holds you accountable, which certainly he looks like he does that, no question. And I want to ask, um, bringing that up about players and 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 reacting to things that coach does, and I w- I watched it, and I think it was last year or the year before. He benched. Uh, Stamkos and Kalon, a uh, not Kalon. <laughs> Kucherov, yeah. uh, he benched them both. And I remember the, the commentator saying, oh, man, this could start some. But, and, and they certainly had the sourpuss on, those guys, no question about it. They weren't happy with it. But how how did they weather that? How did he weather that little bit of a storm he went yeah. through? I think because that's tough. You had a lot of success, you guys, together. Yeah. And everything was going great. And then – Always teams get a little older and things get a little tougher. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the beauty of him. They like they say all coaches have like shelf lives, right? Like the message just becomes old at a certain point. You're just tired yeah. of hearing the same guy say the same thing. Like, think about it, eleven years and we still, you know, two years ago we we're in the cup finals. Um I think with him is he and it you know, he's gotten better. It's been tough. I mean, benching Cooch is a tough thing to do. Like He's the one guy that, you know, he can probably go above, you know, he, it just, he knows certain things because like, if you bench Stammer, I think Stammer in his mind would be like, you know what? I probably deserve to be 
benched right now. Whereas other guys might be a little bit sour, um, but he'll grab them after, talk to them, figure it out with them. Um, and I think he's learned a lot from certain players because he's changed practices for certain players. He's been like, we need to do this. We need to do that. Um, so he does, he does learn from guys and it's not just his way or the highway. He's willing to listen. Yeah. Kind of like Mike Keenan, right? Not that, <laughs> yeah. I would bench you if you had like a 20 game goal streak or something. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, super duper Johnny Cooper. I call him. I, I think he's an awesome coach. Your only coach in the NHL. You had him in in the American League, right? Didn't you? Did you win down there too? Yeah, Norfolk. Yeah. It's it's amazing um, what he's done. The track record is unbelievable. Um, I I wonder if one day he will coach anywhere else. Like, just it, it seems yeah. his name is just so synonymous with with Tampa Bay. Like, I can't see him anywhere else. If you're like me and you're gonna play some golf this summer. You have to check out this hidden gem. Windmill Heights sits atop the beautiful hills in Notre Dame de Perot. They have affordable rates and they offer customized membership opportunities for all levels. If you want to book a tea time, call 514-453-7177. Hit them straight. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food are locally sourced and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used are hormone and antibiotic-free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout. To receive 10% off your first order. That's Raw Nux. R-A-W-K-N-U-X. Did you um, aspire maybe at some point or ever consider wanting to come to this city and play hockey? Yeah, I think if you asked me when I was younger if I where I wanted to play, it was obviously Montreal. I mean, it's like that for everyone that's played in Montreal. I think as I've gotten older... And I've played in Tampa, you know, Tampa is a pretty special place. Obviously, going through free agency, um, we didn't really talk to Montreal, so it wasn't really a thought. But, yeah, Montreal would be a great place to play, you know. If it was to end my career, play a year there, I think it would be special. A special place to play for sure, growing up watching games there. Yeah. And you've so, always wanted to play for Marty, St. Louis, right? Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it seems like all my old buddies are in that organization now, like Marty, Vinny, LeCavalier, Teddy Purcell's on the scouting team. So <laughs> they got a, they got quite the crew over there. So it would be a fun time at least, yeah. Yeah. So um, you get going in your career, Don. They get, you know, used to being in the league, and then uh, playoff time comes. And, and you guys win two Stanley Cups. Um, for you, that first one, how special was that? You know, I, I remember being a kid. I've seen it with the Bruins. I've My dream one day to play in the NHL, win the Stanley Cup, had the opportunity. But that first one, how cool was that? And did you, when it was over, did you look back at that first one and say, man, it's unbelievable what it takes Oh yeah. To win that trophy. Like 
It's um, yeah, it was special. And the circumstances were pretty wild surrounding our first cup being that it was in the bubble and that, you know, I was lucky to have my dad because he was Canadian. He, he quarantined and he was, he was in the bubble with us, but, and it was so different because we won two years in a row. So the first year we win the cup, we go back in the room and it's literally just the team celebrating for like, it must've been six hours or whatever it was before we got to the hotel with a few parents. And then the next year we had like 300 people in the room. So it was like, it was good to see the, the difference in the contrast. It was kind of cool doing it just with your teammates. Cause you had so much time with the cup and so much time um, to celebrate just with the guys you won and battled with. But it was also nice the next year sharing it with, you know, your friends and family and stuff like that. But winning, winning the first cup, you know, I just remember the last series, even in, even in the court, even in the conference finals, there's just like certain things that go your way and an overtime game here, a bounce there. Um, and the margins are so small, man. Like, you know, we've lost two cups and we're kind of being like, could have won four, but you know, we could have lost the other two also. So um, pretty special once you actually win it to kind of uh, hoist it. And once you look back at it, it's so special. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that first year with Chicago against Chicago, right? Like getting yeah. that far and losing, like I mean, that's I mean, what did that feel like? Obviously, yeah. I know the answer to that, but then it's like, do you think you're going to be back three more times? I mean, that's pretty. pretty yeah, I just remember like vividly to this day, um, we were playing against Chicago in the finals, and we had Brandon Morrow on our team. It ended up being his last year in the NHL, and he was—I don't know if he told us or our coach told us—but he got to the Cup Finals his first year with Dallas. And it was like 15, 16 years later, he hadn't been back. So he was kind of being like, you don't know when this is going to happen again, guys. Like, let's make the most of this moment. We didn't make the most of it, and they end up winning. Um, but it just kind of put everything into perspective where it took him so long to get back. And some guys never even been there. So um, just, you know, really happy with, with at least winning one for sure. So you get that one. Um, then you have that short summer. And then you're right back at it. How did you find it difficult to ramp back up and, and not just you, but the whole team for, yeah, for we year were, two? Yeah, we were, um, we were pretty lucky that we had a similar team. Um, we didn't lose a ton of guys. There was a couple guys that we lost to, um, to free agency and stuff like that. But like you said, it was a quick summer. We, we almost, it was nice that it was, it's, it wasn't great that it was quick because it was so much hockey, but there was almost not enough time to relax where we were just kind of in that moment still. Um, and we ended up having a great year. Our team that year was even better. We picked up some people at the deadline. And, you know, a lot of people talk about winning in the, in the bubble and, you know, saying what they want about the cup. But if I had to compare both of them, they were both tough. But being in the bubble for that long, and winning the cup was definitely harder mentally and physically uh, for sure than the second one. Um, and, and we, and we played it in such a quick period of time. So that kind of tells you how hard it was. You had yeah. a lot of short summers though, uh, right? Like, I mean, I just had a long one. So I, I'm, I'm ho- hopefully not getting used to them. Um, <laughs> but the body, like, how do you like, I mean, I guess the best way to say is you, you, you haven't missed it. You played a lot of like 80 game seasons, 82 game seasons. I mean, how do you keep your body, uh, you know, I guess intact. I mean, with all those yeah. short summers, right. It's tough. I mean, it's tough. Um, but you do it a lot throughout the season. You just have to, as you get older, you have to take care of yourself more. I mean, 
it's so cliche and you hear everyone talk about it, you know, you just have to take care of yourself. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I do to make sure I'm ready. You can talk about saunas, cold tubs, but like sleep is the most important thing. And when I was younger, I didn't sleep well, like after games and I've kind of found ways to sleep better, to, to kind of unwind myself. And over a year, you just getting better sleep just equals more recovery. So I've been doing everything I can to get better sleep and just to be, to be, to be more alert for games. Yeah. So cool to win those cups. And I, I say that because, you know, the dynasty days were done, right? Everybody said they're done. The Islanders, the Habs, and you guys, uh, Chicago won a few cups there. Um, and then you guys won those two in a row and beating Montreal. Now I'm just wondering what the mindset was because listen, that was such an exciting time here for the Montreal fans to see that team do what they did to Toronto yeah. and then Winnipeg and then Vegas. I mean, they shocked me. But yeah. for some reason, I could not see them beating Tampa Bay, and they didn't. How was the mindset with you guys? Were you like, we're going to – there's no way we're losing this thing. I, I don't think it's fair to say that. I think we had a ton of respect for Montreal. We really did. You made it to the cup finals. You beat Vegas. Um, we had a ton of respect for them. But I think we also knew that if we play the game, we know we can play. We, we have a good chance of winning. Um, but, no, they, they battled. I remember – I mean, I only played one game because I broke my, my leg. Blocking yeah. Shot, but blocking shots were, overrated. Yeah. They're, yeah. What is blocking <laughs> – what do you mean blocking shots? What does that well, mean? I, don't, I didn't block it. I <laughs> Um, I remember that decor for Montreal being so hard to play against. I still yeah. remember those guys like Edmondson, Chirot, Weber. Like, and I think it was part of their game plan too. It was like every time you get in a corner with Cooch, like he's getting a stick in the ribs. And yeah, they were hard to play against. I'll give them a ton of credit. Um, but yeah, we at that point playing the year before and winning and having that experience helped us out so much. So yeah. So uh, how about the parades? on the boats that got to be unbelievable like you know it looked like so much fun i mean i i got that one parade here in montreal st Catherine street it was incredible how about tampa that in the boat the yeah. the, the fans come out in mass right pretty cool. cool yeah i mean it was done at first just because of a, as a covid i guess restriction type thing where they thought people would be safer if we're on the boats and uh, it went so well that the next year we just decided to do it. And the, Buc the Buccaneers decided to do it also. Um, it was so much fun, man. It was like you get on a boat. There's so many boats following you. At one point, I jumped on a jet ski with the cup. I thought like, <laughs> when I, you know, I'd, I'd stand on the back with a cup once and I kind of revved it a little hard. I thought he was going to fall in the water. But, um, and, you know, we were a little overserved at that point. But um, it, it, it was fun. I mean, you know how it is when you win a cup in a place that you kind of becomes your hometown in a sense, just because you become one with the people and you have so much fun in the parade and you go to restaurants and people congratulating you. Um, it, it's such a cool experience. And to have that in Tampa where Tampa is where I call home right now. So um, it's really special. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, sticking on the, the playoffs and the cup finals, like the, the third year that, that year you, you had zero goals and and what's in 23 games. And then at your age, you come back last year with like 27, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, what it like, that's going in. I mean, how, I guess what was the mindset that summer? Like, did you, did you 
we like it was pissed tough, off. Man. I'm gonna come score thirty goals, basically. Or yeah, go ahead, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, like in that in that in that playoff series, like I was having a tough time going to bed at night. Like I was like, I feel like I'm letting the team down. You know, I had scored whatever it was, twenty six goals or whatever, twenty five that season or whatever it was. Um, granted, like our role was a little like we were the shutdown line, but regardless, like I had yeah. zero goals in 23 games. Like, let's be honest. So it's always in the back of your mind. Like maybe if you played a little better, things could have maybe gone different. If we had Braden Point healthy. Um, but I still felt like I played well. I wasn't scoring. But going into that summer, yeah, I, Tampa kind of told me there's no room. <laughs> there's no room the next year for an extension. Things obviously changed throughout the year. Um, but yeah, I had to dial it in. Like, I, um, I met with a, uh, there's a bunch of stuff I did. I started working with, uh, Adam Oates, um, doing a lot of stuff with him. I started working on my breathing to get my, I, I mean, I'm kind of, a nerd. how did he help you, Adam? I, I know he does that personal coaching. I, yeah. What, I, mean, some, what, I thought it what, helped out a ton. And so I skate with Cooch in the summer, Cooch and Cooch works with Oates. So I basically have like a little Adam Oates coaching me all summer long last. And I started doing this last summer where he would do a lot of individual skill stuff in Tampa and no one's there in the summertime except us two. So we skated, you know, a ton, like, you know, every, every day pretty much, or at least during the week. And uh, he just, Oatesy taught me a different way to kind of see the game. Um, whereas I was always good at protecting pucks but I wasn't good at seeing the next play after I was protecting the puck. Right. And he kind of helped me like throughout video. He'd show me a video and be like, Taylor, you got him beat here. You got to take a look, get the puck under control and see what's in the slot or see what's up high. Um, and kind of just stuff like that helped me, you know, have the best year of my career and it's made me a better player. I'm lucky enough that, you know, I'm getting older, but I haven't had a lot of injuries and I've played a lot of games. So I feel like if you, if you get better, at thinking the game, you could play longer. I mean, you look at guys like Pavelski, Perry, guys that think the game really well, they can play pretty long. No question. And thinking the game, um, it's funny. People say, why, um, again, you made the decision to to sign with Anaheim. Now, there was no room for you in Tampa because of the cap, right? Is that it? They there weren't going to resign you? There was room. It was just – it was an eight-year deal that, uh, like, it did. If you compared contracts side by side, like, they didn't make it didn't make sense. If that makes, yeah, sense. you don't have to go into specifics, but yeah, it was but, like yeah. an eight-year deal where, you know, year five, year six. I don't want to play eight more years. Anyway, yeah. So I don't know what happens in those last years or whatever, but yeah, that was there was there was a deal in place, but it was yeah, just not the right one. All right, so you make the decision to to leave, um, and you you end up. Uh, going to Anaheim people say well why Anaheim and one money yeah it's certainly a fact that there's no question about it but what what else there was a lot no they gave me listen they to be frank they gave me a great deal like it was a great contract if we could be honest and then um I've lived in Tampa my whole career so lifestyle is important to me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name cities but there's some cities I wasn't going to go play in. I, I feel like, you know, I'm at the age where, I, especially being a free agent, you kind of pick where you want to go. Newport Beach is beautiful. Um, that was one of the decisions. And their prospect pool, when you look at it, is very good. Um, 
you know, and for me, you know, obviously they're a team that's rebuilding. But when I talk to other teams, there's other teams that were telling me we still want, we don't want to be good yet, basically. And Anaheim was like, we're trying to make the playoffs next year. If that happens or not, who knows? But their mentality was, we want to start being good right now. And, you know, they got their draft picks. They have all their prospects. I think when you look at their D, their D prospects, they're like, they won OHL best player, Q best player, and WHL best player. So they got a lot of guys coming. I just don't know how long it's going to take before um, they're a competitive playoff team. Well, they certainly um, do have a lot of good young players, led by, uh, obviously, Zegris. They uh, draft Leo Carlson. Uh, I met, played against their general manager, Pat Verbeek, and I know his, certainly his, mentality on the ice and seems like he's carrying that um, into his job here as a general manager. Um, uh, uh, effort to get tougher as a team, bringing you in, Goodison, um, certainly something they need for all those young guys. Listen to Greg Cronin talk, you're, you're soon to be second coach in the NHL. It's <laughs> incredible. Um, you know, they talked about developing a culture with high standards um, that work ethic, the compete and the accountability. They're obviously bringing you in there to hopefully display that. How do you go about that with all these young kids? Because some of these young kids today, it's like you got to show them everything and it's a little different. But how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I think I'm just going to kind of be myself. I mean – I've been really fortunate to play with a ton of great leaders. I mean, I've talked about it before, but, you know, I got into the league and Vinny LeCalvey and Marty St. Louis are in the locker room. Got like Marty St. Louis, just a guy that has that aura about him. Um, playing with guys like Ryan McDonough, Stamkos, Callahan. Uh, I feel like I've played with great leaders and they never forced anything down your throat. It was kind of like you looked up to them. They had, you know, had they, a lot of them had won before. You wanted to play kind of like them. So they just kind of played their own way, but they had that, that leadership quality about them. So like, I, like you said, with the young guys in Anaheim, I don't think it's anything you kind of shove down their throat. You just show them the way it's been done and the way it's been successful, and you hope that that leadership translates to them. So that's kind of what I'm going to do. Well, C Coach Cronin, we had him on a, uh, about a month ago, and we spoke with him, and he talked about um, – a couple things he talked about communicating that vision. Uh, he wants um, uh, he wants to communicate that with credibility, but he said trust and honesty are a big part of it. Now, um, those are words. Trust, I guess, coaches can trust players on the ice situation, but honesty. We talked about. He said a lot of times players are not honest with themselves about yeah. their own game, and sometimes that has to be pointed out. He also talked about something Belichick, very Belichickian. Uh, he said Belichick's mantra is practice, execution equals game reality. Now, we talked to Cronin, and he said he, he taped some of the practices, quite a few of them, and, he, and they go back and look at it. And I think it's a tool to see if guys are kind of – what do you think of that? Yeah. Well, we found out in Tampa, like halfway through, that all of our practices were being filmed. When you didn't know that, Did, no, you didn't know. We didn't know, and you know, during a video session, we'd have clips of practice, and we're like, "Whoa!" 
I didn't know that was being filmed, but uh, yeah, that became part of everything we did in Tampa. I mean, if you want to get better, you know, there's not a ton of practice days, but you have to make the most of those practice days. So we would look at video and it wasn't so much calling guys out for not working hard in practice. I feel like everyone on our team worked hard. It was never a question of that, but just getting systems down right. And there's a lot of, you know, gray areas in game where you're trying to figure out what to do defensively, offensively. And um, you could kind of figure that out through practice. So, yeah, that was it. Well, I got to ask, because it's a big question on our show, because Nux hates them. But what do you think <laughs> of the iPads on the bench? I'm I'm not a huge fan of them. I just think we have certain guys in our team that – they they think it helps them and they they'll they'll look at every they'll look at every shift right when they get off and they're kind of not in the game um but most of those guys are really good and they score a lot of goals so um i got no problem with them using them so i just don't like when players get too i think there's certain aspects where if you miss a play and a guy's like hey did you see me there you could like look at it and be like damn you're right you yeah. i missed you um but when you're looking at every single play and and you're kind of getting yourself out of the game, that's where it can get a little weird. So 33 years old, uh, looking back at the years, and I'm sure, I'm not sure, but what was your best year of hockey in your life? Best year of hockey? like Yeah, your favorite year in hockey, NHL, if you want. Probably 2015, honestly, because um, that was kind of – when I was playing my best, I was kind of just starting in the league and I was playing my best hockey. We went to the cup finals. I had a really good playoff and I kind of felt like I cemented myself as an NHL player that year um, where I felt like, you know, I got to the cup finals and I was an effective player in the cup finals. So that was one of the best years for me. And I think I was like 24, 25 at that time. So I was having a blast. Um, and that was a good year for me, I guess. Yeah. Playing in Winnipeg, Tampa was always like our, my favorite road city. Right? Yeah, I couldn't imagine him being in my home city. What's what was your favorite road city? Favorite road city. Um, for some reason, we've loved uh, New uh, Vancouver. Vancouver's been great to to us. I think partially because it's so far from Tampa, and you spend it's always like you spend three days there or whatever, just because of travel. Um, and we've done well playing against the Canucks there, so we've always had fun. You got such great numbers uh, in your career for a big man and a uh, guy that plays the game the way you do. It's impressive in the playoffs. It's just a different uh, animal. Have you learned, I guess, how to uh, and not save yourself for the playoffs, but kind of uh, because it's it's a long season. Yeah, you learn how to kind of get through the season so you're you're ready for playoff time and. Ready to crank it up? I think you just do it naturally without even thinking about it. After you've played, you know, 11 years in the NHL, you kind of just do it subconsciously. Like, you always play hard. It's just kind of putting yourself in bad situations that could end up in injuries. You kind of stay away from that. I think that's something I've learned. Um, and just taking care of your body better, you know, getting there a little earlier, getting some more treatment. Um not being on a table too much, but making sure you take care of yourself as you get older. Um, 
Tiffany, you're married. Uh, now, do you have children? Girlfriend, but yeah. Girlfriend, oh, you're not married. Okay, I thought you were married. Way to throw him, under, right. way to <laughs> throw him <laughs> under the bus there, Knox. <laughs> you probably put her head around the corner. And like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pushing him to get married. No. <laughs> I am uh, old enough, so at some point here soon, sure. And you, you know what I didn't ask? I wanted to ask, did did Dad play hockey at all growing up? Uh, he, played ho- he, he played hockey, but never at a high level. He loves it, so he watches yeah. – to this day, he watches every single one of my games, and I'll text him after, and, and we'll talk about him. But yeah, he's yeah he's a huge hockey fan. So that's so cool. All right, um, going to Anaheim. Have you you got a place to live? How 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 difficult is it for you moving that now? You've never had to move. Yeah. From Tampa all these years, and now you're heading out to the other coast. Um, you got a place all set, your bias place, and you're going to settle in? We're renting a place. But, yeah, we, we signed some a lease yesterday. So um, we're getting ready for the move. You know, it's been it's been really comfortable my life being in Tampa for 11 years, right? Like, you just show up to camp. I have my house. I live eight minutes from the rink. Everything's really comfortable. So this is going to be different for me. And it's going to be, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, sometimes can be a really good thing. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the new challenge, a new young team being, um, I looked at the roster, I'm the oldest guy on the team. So <laughs> it happens and, fast, right? It happens fast. <laughs> I was say, from prospect to suspect. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'll be the oldest guy. I'm just looking forward to everything. Cause you know, at first I was really, you know, sad to leave Tampa. You know, I, it took me a long time to, to sign in Anaheim just because, I, I did want to stay here and finish my career here, play a thousand games here. This is home. Um, but now that I've kind of felt like I've made the right decision, I'm really looking forward to the future. Yeah, it should be When's awesome. When's the first round of golf in it? When, when, when and where? <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, well, I live, I'm going to be living like 15 minutes from Pelican Hill. So I, I got to get there, get situated, get the house situated. But first week for sure, I'll have to get around and just <laughs> kind of dip my toes and, those missing curfew guys, I don't know if you know them. They they they're yep. they're a big canyon, so maybe they'll treat me to a round up there. Oh yeah, they'll get you out for sure. Listen, uh Alex, listen, uh I wanna thank you for taking the time. I wanna wish you all the best uh in Anaheim and um did it go fast for you? Like your career? I remember listen, I remember coming in the room. like after my first year of practice and I was laughing, we were joking or something, and Larry Robinson I looked up and he's standing there looking at me and he looked right down at me. He says, you having fun on you? I said, yeah. Like he said, you happy to be here. I said, yeah. He goes, well, enjoy it because it's going to go like that. Has it gone like that for you? So fast. I mean, crazy, huh? And my seven year deal in Tampa. And then I was going to take, I'm turning 34 next month. Um, and in my head, I just figured everyone kind of retire. Like good players, they have a good career, kind of retire at that age. Thirty-four, you know. So I yeah, kind you're of old. Was, you're definitely old. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Tim. Yeah. You can be so, golfing yeah. with the trainers. That's easy. <laughs> but yeah, I went quick. So I feel really fortunate that I was able to get this four-year deal at this age, and kind of, you know, I know I earned it, but it feels good to keep playing. And like you said, like. I was expecting to play to this age, so it's I'm already there. So it went by quick. Uh, that's cool. I'm playing Beaconsfield tomorrow, by the way, oh, uh, nice. with a few guys. And, uh, yeah. So, listen, 
again, uh, all the best to you. You're certainly one of the good guys in this game, and you had, have had so far an impressive career. And uh, I hope that continues in Anaheim. All Thank the best to you. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all right. Thanks, you. Alex. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.